by just practicing a lot of yoga, it transforms me each and every day. It makes me the, the best me that I possibly can be. And everything else just, you know, this is getting watered and growing all on its own. I don't even have to, I don't even have to do anything. And it just happens. That was Jacob Manning, and I'm Henry Winslow. You're listening to Dharma Talk. Dharma Talkers, thank you as always for tuning into the show. Last episode of 2019. It's been an amazing journey so far, creating and evolving this show, speaking with nearly 100 inspiring yogis on the air, and connecting with many of you listeners. And I'm excited to see how far this rabbit hole goes. To kick off 2020, I'd like to try something a little different. I'm opening the floor for your questions. Next week's episode will be Ask Me Anything Q&A style. So what would you like to know? What questions do you have for me about Dharma, yoga, or my thoughts on topics covered on past episodes of the show? Submit your questions at henrywins.com AMA, and I'll select a few to cover next week. Once again, that's henrywins.com AMA. Now, real quick, do you want to deepen your yoga practice from home? Come give Henry Yoga app a try. This is my thoughtfully designed 40-day, 40 minutes daily program of Hatha Vinyasa classes and skill building workshops to take you further. Get the first two classes risk-free at henryyoga.com. All right, who among us hasn't struggled with shame or embarrassment at some point in our life? whether over mistakes we've made ourselves or circumstances seemingly outside our control, the grip of regret can be unrelenting and torturous. But however much we lament over these dark stains on our past, the reality is we cannot change what has already happened. The past is history and we have only now to work with and potentially change the trajectory of our future. In this conversation, Jacob shares with me and you, Dharma Talkers, some of his own sources of shame and how some trying moments have challenged his sense of self-worth. In particular, there's shame over his body and the imperfections that have left him feeling cornered into having surgery and taking medications. It's ironic because from the outside, this is someone who seems to have perfected the human form. If you don't know Jacob, he is a modern day Adonis. And yet, isn't that how it always goes? Perception from the outside and inside rarely match. But yoga has been his saving grace. Jacob's found that channeling his energy into a daily practice has been the essential ingredient to a better outlook on life. And when we improve our outlook, this filter through which we perceive our reality, everything about our lives changes for the better. This episode is brought to you in part by Yoga East Austin. Just a few months away in early February, I'm happy to announce that my good buddy and local New York City legend, Benjamin Sears, will be doing a three-day training immersion at my old Shala Down in Texas at Yoga East Austin. 
I'm stoked for this one because Ben was one of my teachers in the early days of my practice and continues to be a big inspiration for me to always keep searching for better and better information. That's why I interviewed him on the show back on episode 17. Go check that out if you haven't heard Ben's episode yet. A bit of a yoga renaissance man, I love his style of teaching. Ben is not only a fantastic teacher of modalities he has studied in their original forms, and believe me when I say there are too many to list, but he stays passionate about an ever-evolving practice that he draws upon to best serve the needs of his students. His approach is practical and effective, integrating modern science-backed mobility work into traditional yoga modalities. And the results, intelligent asana sequencing to help you develop and deepen a yoga practice pain-free. In fact, Ben recently helped me out with some nagging shoulder pain over a casual dinner we had together. He gave me one simple exercise to include in my practice that basically cleared it right up. The 30-hour training immersion at Yoga East Austin this February is a peek behind the curtain to Ben's personal practice and his much-anticipated 200-hour teacher training he offers once a year at Lux Yoga, a wellness and lifestyle experience in the south of France he founded in 2007. If you want to learn more about your body from someone that has a wealth of knowledge moving pain-free, this training immersion is for you. Check out yogaeastaustin.com slash Benjamin for more info on this three-day weekend event happening February 7th through 9th in Austin, Texas. Do not miss out. And use promo code HENRYWINS at checkout to save 15%. This week, I'd like to say thank you to my friend Sarah Shreed in Australia for making her second donation to support Dharma Talk. Sarah, thank you so much for your contribution. I really appreciate it, and I always appreciate it when I receive these donations. It tells me that you all value this show, and that's the reason I do it. Um, this is a costly endeavor for me, but it is a passion project out of love and service. So anything that you can give really helps. And with that being said, I'd like to announce that I've just set up a different donation platform that allows you to make recurring donations. So if you have it in you, if you have the financial means to do so, please consider making a recurring monthly donation to support the project. You can do that at henrywins.com slash donate. And of course, you can also make a one-time donation. Every little bit counts and is very much appreciated. As far as my schedule goes, I have one announcement for you. Veronica, my wife, and I are gearing up for a tour, a little mini tour through Europe in January through early February 2020. We're going to be at the Yoga Garage in Florence, Studio Giotir in Milan, Anahata Yoga Studio in Thessaloniki, Greece, and Hara Yoga Studio in Barcelona. So check out the details for that little tour at henrywinds.com events and sign up if you're in the area. Now back to the show. Jacob Manning, at Jacob Manning Yoga on Instagram, is a yoga teacher living in Southern California who believes in finishing what you start. Underneath the mesmerizing movements and impressive strength of his own practice, the deeper message of Jacob's teaching is to show how God or a higher power is working in his life in the hopes that others may see the same in their own. Jacob thrives on sharing the mood-altering and mind-transforming practice of yoga 
at retreats and festivals, and in more intimate settings with his private clients. If you enjoy this episode, if you'd like to know more about what Jacob is up to, then go to dharmatalk.show and type Jacob in the search bar. And you're going to find all the notes, highlights with timestamps, and links from this episode, including Jacob's recommended book. If you're all out of reading material, check out my running list of every book ever recommended on Dharma Talk, and I'm sure you'll find something to stimulate your mind and maybe your heart. Who knows? Go to henrywins.com books and pick one out. Now, without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Jacob Manning. Jacob Manning, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Henry. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that we haven't met yet because uh, whenever I had, I go to Orange County quite a lot. My wife, her family lives there. So we visit a few times a year and I spent a little time with Christian Flores. He says, you guys are buds. So, um, you know, it's a long time coming and I appreciate the chance to connect with you. Yeah, no, I just realized you lived, you've been in Newport. I saw in one of your pictures and I was wondering, whoa, I've never met him. I thought he lived in Europe all the time and never came here. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> no, I don't live in Europe. I live in New York right now, but um, that's going to change soon. I'm, I'm going to be headed to your your coast um, early 2020 to live there. So pretty stoked about that too. Wow. What a big mix up. I thought you lived in Europe. <laughs> um, what do you mean? <laughs> How come you want to move here? Uh, well, you know, it's just that it feels like that time to, um, to change things up. It's that mix up, you know, we, we want that mix. My wife and I have lived in New York for some time now and it just feels like it's time for the next chapter. So we're going to do a little traveling. We'll go teach abroad. We will go to Europe, but, uh, it's, it's certainly not our home. Um, but then when we do settle down, feels like LA is the right place. Yeah. Um, Southern California is my favorite, man. I've been everywhere. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, um, we'll be talking soon in, in person, I'm sure. But for now, I always start these conversations with the same opening question. So I want to give that to you and hear your reply to that, which is what does the word Dharma mean to you? And what is your Dharma as you understand it today? Um, pretty much when no one's looking, uh, no one's paying attention, um, and, uh, what I'm doing, um, how I carry myself, uh, a Dharma to me means karma. So if you're consciously, um, making hurtful decisions, meaning hurtful towards others, um, that, that will come back tenfold and vice versa. Um, if you're doing things like putting your shopping cart away, uh, opening the door for people, um, doing, uh, the right thing for the right reason, then that kind of karma will come back to you. Uh, if you do things, um, to intentionally hurt people, uh, or you um, are putting pretty much bad energy out there, and, and uh, then that's going to come back towards you. 
Yes, the the interplay of karma and dharma is very real. Um, and the fact that you said that right away makes me think, okay, did did he learn that lesson the hard way? Why, why is that top of mind for you? Well, um, so I'm 28 years old and I've had a lot of uh, understanding with um, how the universe works. And um, I don't really have like a, a proof formula for that, but I know that growing up and throughout my years in my twenties, um, I've done, I made a lot of mistakes and um, gone through a lot of like pain and hurt and stuff. And usually, um, I'd kind of be maybe revenge, revengeful and do the same back and that feels terrible. So I've lessened that. And through my understanding that, uh, I haven't had to be taught anything about, uh, karma, Dharma, um, from anyone. I've just learned through my own experience that, uh, for myself at least, um, that that is definitely the case. And also through watching, other people's decisions and what they do and being able to see the ripple effect that it has on other people and then how it kind of comes back on them that uh, my case isn't um, isn't like uh, special it's part of the part of the the journey for everyone to learn that and I don't think anyone's really gonna learn that through well, I don't think I could, I could be wrong, but through your parents telling you about it or anyone else, you pretty much got to go through things yourself and, um, and learn your own lesson. And so that's my take on that. Yeah. That, um, that learning through experience to me, that's, that's kind of what that's at the crux of what Dharma is. It's like our path and, all of these struggles and hardships that seem like they are at odds with what we're trying to do at the time. But in retrospect, when you have a little bit more perspective, it becomes clear that they've paved the way for you. So you mentioned some hardships that you face that help you to learn these lessons. Let's get specific. Um, take me back a little bit and uh, share a bit about a bit about your past with me and with the listeners, and how that set you up for a yoga practice, or initially drew you into a yoga practice. Right. Well, um, I'd start with uh, probably my late teens into my twenties. Uh, I saw people partying and. Uh, and doing things, uh, and it was making them pretty happy, drugs and alcohol to be specific. And so I thought that if I did the same, that I would also be happy and fit in. And that's cool and all, but uh, that came with with stealing and breaking into people's houses. Um, that came with a lot of consequences. And making decisions like, uh, like I said, you know, breaking into people's houses and stealing money from my parents when they're not looking. Um, and, uh, I 
feel like that's pretty specific and um, that that brought me into a lot of pain and that's what I mean that's where I think like the Dharma comes and and uh, at least getting that back in return like uh, getting things stolen from me and people breaking into my car or basically the exact same things that I've done. And I feel like the, the most, most, um, character building thing for myself is to understand that I've been in the same place doing the same thing and not to be judgeful and let them have their experience and know that it just is my turn to be on the opposite side of the, of the case. And presumably you also took away that, you know, it's also my turn to set a different pattern in motion. Yeah. Like getting a big reality check, you know, it's like, uh, some people call it like an epiphany, a spiritual experience. Um, so I like, I've, I've had plenty of mine and, uh, when you when you wake up from being asleep literally even uh as opposed to coming to and being struck with like maybe uh you can call it god or like the universe or whatever have you um that you know you don't want to live like that anymore and that's been pretty much my experience is over and over again. And if you're anything like me, you have to hit your head a few times to, uh, walk a different path. So what was that moment that really flipped the switch for you? Take me back to that, that episode. If it, even if it was, you know, the fourth or fifth time that you learned the lesson, what did that experience feel like for you to actually take a step back, look at yourself and say, okay, I'm going to make a change. Yeah. So, um, really, um, specifically like recently in the past, like five years, I've had to get surgery twice and, um, and it wasn't like, you know, like I'm going to give you this crazy story about like, Oh, waking up in jail when I got in a fight and this crazy stuff, it was more subtle. Like, uh, having to get knee surgery and surgery on my chest actually like nine months ago or so that, uh, I was like prescribed pain medications. And, you know, I thought the, the case, um, made sense to take the pain medications knowing through other people's experiences being, uh, in the condition of, I, that, that I have like, um, with, uh, you know, having to, put stuff in my body to alter my perception as much as I need to drink water and eat food for survival. Um, that even having to get surgery and having like, uh, a really good reason to take these medications to reduce the pain that it, it, for me, that it comes, uh, with, um, a disconnection to reality and, and, uh, it feels pretty empty. Um, so again, like the whole coming to think, uh, happened for me and it was a lot 
it was actually a a, a more a more uh, kind way of being to myself and not like judgmental and uh, not having as much not having really there there being remorse and shame but just an understanding of myself which is why I've started doing yoga is to have a deeper understanding of myself and why I am the way that I am and why that's okay and how um, there's probably a lot of people out there that are uh, able to relate to me, you know, so I don't feel so alone because I know all about that feeling. Mm -hmm. Why, why would you have felt shame if you're, if you're comfortable sharing, um, why did you have to have surgery? Oh, so I had a knee surgery because I had a, an ACL and meniscus tear in my knee, uh, like five years ago. And then I had a surgery on my left, actually both pecs, but mostly my left one because I had like, uh, like the, this, like cysts, gyno, uh, and they, it was benign, but, uh, the doctor felt, um, that, uh, he could see potential cancer going to happen there. So I uh, took the step and got the surgery. Mm, I see. And there were hints of, of self-doubt and shame around even needing to get medical help. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. It's, it's embarrassing, dude. Like, um, to me it is. I... Uh, I haven't I haven't grown up in my life seeing uh, people that are healthy and um, fortunate having to get surgeries. So for me, it was like having to change my body. Even you could even look at it like having to get tattoos and stuff like that. Like having to change my body for what reason? And one is like, okay, I, I like the art of tattoos, so that's fine and dandy. And they're meaningful to me, but uh, having to get a surgery to me is like uh, having to change change your body because it's not fine just the way that it is. And I had to learn to wrap my head around that for myself. Uh, I have had I've gotten the surgery for health reasons, and um, and so yeah, I see, I see. You, you've used the phrase a few times, waking up, like you had an epiphany um, that was triggered by having to go to the hospital and, and recognize or accept your own, call it mortality, you know, to accept that your God-given body is requires help from, from someone else. What was that epiphany? Like what, in effect did you take away from that and how has that changed your approach to life now? Well, I think it's an ongoing process of, of um, clearing away the past so that um, we can live in the moment and, and also um, understanding that our moment that we have right now even talking um can never be truly be anything besides this moment in in reality in in the world that 
that really is um, that it's my mind that can look back back on the past and, and, and like kind of think about it like here's a um, um, what's it called uh, a I don't know the word but um, you like driving a car looking at a, at the mirror constantly behind you and again a car crash right in front of you mm. So, um, being in the moment, that's being, being awake. You're not trying to, uh, change the past, which is really insane because that ain't gonna, I can't change that, but it's the greatest asset that I have to learn from. And, uh, it's humbling continuing to make mistakes, but the mistakes aren't as big. Therefore the, the karma is, uh, more neutral. Right. Right. I follow. Okay. So Jacob, what does your personal yoga practice look like um, now? And has it changed since that epiphany? Man, my uh, yoga practice has always been changing. And uh, I believe that I'll have more epiphanies, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. So having to get... uh, like surgeries has got me more into the meditation, not being able to walk, having to get uh, um, to places where it's sometimes hard to to practice because like um, you can fall right back asleep and uh, look too much into things and stuff like that. And I think that, the most important thing is just to uh, just to just to practice every day, and maybe not maybe not every day, but you know five six days a week. Um, but it doesn't have to be physical for me. I uh, I've been doing a lot more stronger lately because it's uh, it's quite a quiet practice, and it's focused, driven on breath, uh, the way that I see it at least. Um, it's it's fine that it's not uh, ha- it doesn't have a lot of alignment because I myself like I, I I I understand alignment very well at least for my body so I don't I don't really um, focus on that when I practice um, and it's a really it's a really great practice uh, it's really humbling because it's super hard um, I can't yeah. do all it do all the poses, which is new to me. I can go to any class in, in, in the United States in any country that's a vinyasa or hatha or any any class that is not ashtanga and do absolutely everything, no problem. Um, but the the postures and that I find in, in that practice uh, are super challenging. And if I can do it, I'm I st- I'm still being guided to to breathe in a really uh, conformative way. Um, so that's that's what I've been practicing mostly lately. Uh, been uh, on the side of that, uh, trying to open up my shoulders and back a lot more because they've closed up quite a bit over the last few years. And that's fine. Um, but uh because I, you know, had the chest surgery, so no back bends, no shoulder opening, none of that stuff. So now I'm free to, free to, 
do as I wish with my body. Okay, this is interesting. Um, how, as someone who has a very capable yoga practice, you know, at, at least from a visual standpoint, from the posture standpoint, you can do anything that you show up to a class and they tell you to do, and it's not really, you know, no sweat, basically. Um, how do you remain motivated to continue pushing yourself and being in that discomfort zone, that place where you feel challenged, where I think you and I would both agree is, is where the growth happens? So I, I go to classes to, to sit, close my mouth, and conform to the teacher, meaning I'm turning my thoughts, my actions and basically myself, like I'm leaving my ego at the door and just doing whatever they say. So it's not that I'm going to, to get challenged because unfortunately that won't happen for me anymore. Um, it's more of, of doing that. And then for myself, like I'm the, the, uh, the strongest stuff is really hard, man. Like there's four poses that I can't do. Like, am I even close? I don't think I'll ever be able to do one of them where you like, I think it's John Shearsauce see maybe, or, or maybe. Yeah, the Janu where you turn your heel up and push the sole of your foot into your inner thigh. Yeah, for the love of God, I don't know how people can do that with their ankles. <laughs> and their, I don't know, I can't do it. It like trips me out being able to see people do that. But, you know, I bet it trips people out for them to be able to, you know, see me do something on one arm comfortably yeah, right so yeah it's so a, are you doing your ashtanga practice self-guided like or are you are you doing a mysore practice somewhere so right now i uh i've been doing quite a bit with my girlfriend cheyenne like yeah i have a good size living room yoga mats right here unfortunately it doesn't get that hot that good the smell of an ashtanga room you know what i'm talking about and then <laughs> uh I, I just literally will click on YouTube and boom, it's right there. I, uh, I'll do it with, uh, BKS Iyengar or, um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but, uh, some, some days like are really great and I feel awesome and super easy. And some days it's like, you know, it's tough. It's hard, like physically and mentally. Um, but I try to do that. Uh, at least one time a week by myself and then with her uh like two to four other times and uh it's been working pretty well for me is uh is cheyenne a regular ashtangi like is that her main practice no um it's she's she just likes uh all kinds of different things that uh involve working your body and stuff but she uh she really likes it like she can really we can really relate to each other on a lot of the poses because a lot of the the poses that we can both do there's a few that we both can't do and we just like look at each other and like laugh and stuff and it's pretty cool yeah. and, um, you know you like looking at the tv and the, f the first people in the 
first two rows like eight people all like do the thing with their ankle and heel we're looking at each other like what you know like what have we not been doing <laughs> and like in all these other classes and stuff so but it's cool man i uh i enjoy it it's it's ancient you know it's been a lot of a lot of uh science and philosophy behind that and the history even behind that practice and uh i think it's pretty it's pretty great you know it's it's start to finish you're doing like the same thing so there's like your routine and it will force you to change your life period um it'll force you to change the way that you eat it'll force you to change the way that you sleep it'll for it'll it's it changes uh my attitude and uh it's I like, I like it and it's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's what, um, what Patabi Joyce was getting at, you know, the founder of Ashtanga yoga, when he said famously practice and all is coming, you know, I think there's something to the routine and the discipline of waking up at 4am to get to the shala and doing your Mysore practice, because you're right. You know, when you do that, you start to recognize, okay, maybe I don't want to stay up until midnight if I know I'm getting up and maybe I don't want to eat that food that makes me feel like heavy and gross and unhealthy because I want my practice to feel light. And certainly you can take that to an extreme to the point of um, obsession where it's no longer serving your life. But for most people, especially in the beginning, those kind of changes are very beneficial to a holistic, healthy lifestyle. Absolutely. Like, it's totally true. And I think a lot of people look at it the wrong way, like uh, practice and everything's coming, like practice. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be able to do all six series. Or I think it's six series. I don't even know that. It might be five. Yeah. Yeah. Is it six? There you go. Six. So sure. yeah. tells you how much, tells you how much I know. So, uh, well, they're, they're like kind of guarded secret. <laughs> There's yeah, like the primary just, series, intermediate series, and then advanced a advanced B and the rest of them are like secret. And you have to, you know, you have to be handed the postures individually one by one. So don't blame me for not knowing. I don't really know either. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad we can relate on that, but, uh, so like, <laughs> <laughs> you uh like what i was saying before practice and all is coming and and i've had conversations over the years of people and a lot of the the similarities to that are um with the physical individual poses in uh each series like we were talking about you know you put your heel up and your toes down that seated pose and and it is more to it than that like the the question at the beginning of the conversation uh, about Dharma, um, all is coming is more than those physical poses. It's like what you eat, like do you eat um, for fuel and energy and some enjoyment or do you only eat for pleasure and comfort or like do you stay up really late and sleep in and and uh how do you live your life and you don't have to even worry about that when you uh if if it's a shtanga that's great but if it's other yoga classes um and you're doing that like five days a week she just transforms as a person and that's like the, the huge power that that uh unfortunately i don't i don't hear a lot about i just know that there's there's uh 
there's those who do and those who who see and if you see enough of it i think you get attracted to doing yoga yeah well it's it's when you explain that and you say it in words to someone who is unexposed to yoga then you can understand why that would sound either far-fetched unrealistic or kind of cultish right like your whole life is going to change from doing this practice of moving your body into a set sequence of shapes but um most people who have done it you know who've gone through with it whether that was their intention or not they do see their lives start to change so it's interesting it's like one of these things where people have to either take the plunge in good faith or they just need to be receptive and maybe they come in for one reason and they continue practicing for a totally other reason. That was certainly my experience, you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Well, just to like add on, you know, to the, to the things that I've noticed that have changed for me, like become more disciplined, uh, become more consistent, become more committed. My, my word and my bond becomes more powerful. Um, it, it, it takes, a, it's, to like what you were saying about and the reason why I don't go to a shala quite yet is because the the commitment to doing that is uh is it's all in her or your it's all in her it's that's it you know I'm not going period so right now I'm just doing the, my practice on my own and then uh, when my uh, heart goes in that way then I will I used to go to Encinitas every morning. To practice with Andrew Hillen, and uh, that was great. Loved it, but I got hurt. So that was just mm. to speak a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know there's something else that uh, is very close to your heart as it relates to your whole experience with not only practicing but also teaching yoga, and that's this idea that yoga has shown you how. God or some higher power is present in your life and that, you know, your yoga practice and your teaching is in hopes of inspiring others to recognize that force working for them. You want to talk me through that a little bit, walk me through how, how that plays out for you. Yeah. So for the most part, it's, it's magic. Um, it's almost like there's, there's still so much unknown to it, but I can tell you um, when I'm not practicing daily, as opposed to when I am practicing daily, um, my happiness, like when I practice, I'm, I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot more excited. I'm a lot more positive. Um, I'm a lot more pleasant to be around. Um, I, I talk uh, a lot more uh, uh, like uh, enthusiastically. I'm more energized, and all these things allow me to see this exact same thing in other people's lives. So be like, uh, if I could see God working in your life it makes it a lot easier to see God working in my life. And I, I, it's really, it's so special that it, I don't really have words for it. I just know how much 
how 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 great my day is and how how I draw I draw a really big crowd in when I'm doing a lot of yoga. Naturally, it just happens. I don't know how it does, but um, and I I I, I draw. Uh, I I I notice this too by just practicing a lot of yoga. It transforms me each and every day. Um, it makes me the the best best me that I possibly can be. And everything else just, you know, is is getting watered and growing all on its own. I don't even have, have to do anything. And it just happens. So God's a mystery, though. I don't I don't have a picture that I could t- uh, post on Instagram for you. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I can tell you, I definitely feel that, that connection after that I've done my practice and I get in stillness, whether it's practicing and then lying down or it's practicing and sitting or it's practicing and driving in my car. And like, you get that feeling of gratitude, like, are you going to cry? But you're not, but you, you, you might not, but maybe you will. And, um, just notice the beauty in a lot of, in everyone around you and everything. Is noticing that in itself is not what I would what I have done my past life, you know, at all. Well, to kind of circle back and, and close the loop on how we initially opened this whole conversation, this, you know, this pattern that you saw from early adulthood, basically, with doing things that were destructive or harmful to other people and having them turn back around based on the flow of the universe. You could call that God as well. Um, how has all of that, like that understanding of karma and dharma been reaffirmed by the effects of your yoga practice? Oh boy, that's a really tough question. That's a really tough one. Um, I feel like there's like three questions. In feel one. free to interpret however you like. But <laughs> I mean, essentially what I was trying to ask is like, have you seen in through your practice that the efforts or the positive energy that you put into practicing and feeling good, like are those being, are those coming back around as well to mm, you? That's really well. That's a, that's a beautiful question. So for me, myself, I got I, when I I practice very very seriously and very hard, period, and I I uh, get in return um, happiness and and uh, just enjoy and really enjoy my life and I and I get to I don't I haven't always gotten to because I haven't always had one but now that I do have one. I get a decision to practice and put in my best effort and or I get a decision to not do that and I don't get to enjoy my life that I have today. And it feels very like very clear. Like I did it today, so I get the reward. I didn't do it today, I don't get the reward today. Yeah. Is that fair? It's not even like uh it's not even like I'm like self-harming myself, you know what I mean? Like kind of 
just beating myself or shaming myself. It's just the reality. It's like I do yoga and I'm stoked on life and happy or I don't and I'm lazy and depressed. It's one or the other. Pick, and, pick or choose for me. You're right. And it seems like a pretty obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, you know, you want to be happy and drink this glass of water. You don't want to be happy. Don't drink the glass of water. Period. It's as simple and as, as like point blank as that. Like I do, I do yoga today. I haven't practiced today, bro. I haven't practiced today yet. And let's see, it's one thirty where I'm at right now. I have probably like seven hours to practice, and uh, I'm be I'll be super stoked. And I've been teaching all day today, so that's why. I, I haven't yet, and uh, I slept in this morning because I had a Halloween party with my family last night, so I ate a crap load of food, and I'm like, yo, I'm not going to wake up and do a stronga. No way. <laughs> I'm going to let that digest for a little <laughs> while, and then I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, right. So. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting pragmatic point for the yoga teachers listening. It's like, well – how can you, if, if you recognize the same behavior and the same pattern in yourself where you can really give more fully after you've practiced, then how can you set up your conditions? How can you set up your life such that you do your practice before you teach or before you have to show up or, what, or whatever it is that, that you need to do? Um, because if it makes a difference, then it's, it's kind of like your responsibility to recognize it. How are you going to be a yoga teacher but not practice yoga? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like I, I've gotten to the point too where I would teach four or five times a day, sleeping in the studio, grinding, trying to get a sub spot, doing anything I possibly can to teach as much as I can four or five days a week. And uh, I still practice every single day. And um, I was happy, like I said. So I don't find for the, it's, it's really interesting because I thought the same fulfillment that I, that I once started feeling practicing before I started teaching, I would be even more fulfillment once I started teaching and there'd be even more, uh, like fulfillment and things like that. But really I'm just, that's, I'm just, you know, guiding people in the practice of them fulfilling themselves and I'm not going to find fulfillment in fulfilling that and, and helping other like the, the, the practicing yoga is a very fulfilling, satisfying thing. Teaching yoga isn't the same, isn't the same as that. So if I'm just going to teach and not practice, it's a job and that's it. Well, makes sense. Yeah. makes sense. Um, I, I mean, personally, I feel like service to others whether it's teaching or, or something else, certainly definitely is fulfilling, but what I will give you, I mean, I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience, of course, but for me, it is fulfilling, but it's fulfilling in a very different way than something like a personal practice, which is more introspective and rejuvenating from within to be of service is it gives you energy in a different way. It gives you energy that you get from sharing and connection to one another. But that's a very different feeling from filling up your own cup on your own. Well, I, what you're saying, I agree to. 
but it, it's it's um it has more to it than like I, there's more to what you just said for that for me to agree with that so complicate it for me i'm practicing okay i will <laughs> uh, kind of practicing and then teaching or teaching then practicing but if i'm only teaching and not practicing i have no i uh, like i like all these things that i'm saying that i get from practicing like it's a good day or a bad day i'm happy or i'm i'm not happy i feel good or i feel like shit right yep following. so that that practice enhances teaching i like to teach more i love yoga i love teaching yoga more i enjoy it more i am of service if i don't have my own personal practice and i'm not practicing and i'm only just teaching and if i'm making excuses of why i'm not practicing because i teach so much maybe then i don't have the perception that i have when i'm practicing understanding moving in on myself to teach does that make sense it's almost like yeah yeah i would would be like an i'm not really a teacher if i if i don't if i'm not practicing and i'm just teaching like i i what 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 am i what am i giving really yeah yeah exactly it's like your practice practice, the practice is like a prerequisite to be able to teach I mean, from an obvious standpoint, from a superficial standpoint, you need to have a practice so that you have content, like you have material knowledge to share with others, but also at an energetic level, like you need the practice in order to be in that headspace where you are grateful, where you appreciate and where you can give your heart into that teaching. Absolutely. So Jacob, apart from getting your message out on the podcast today, what are you doing specifically today to live your dharma? I'm going to, to wear some things for my girlfriend who is um, trying to uh, or, or taking steps to shifting her um, aspirations and uh, what she wants to do for her career and, and helping her with that in any way that I can. And, um, I am helping my friend, uh, I'm I'm like making coffee for, uh, this meeting that I go to tonight that he's not going to be able to attend. So I'm making coffee for a bunch of people. Um, and, uh, I'll be donating a dollar later. Uh, I'm going to go grocery shopping and I'm going to put my grocery cart back where it belongs. Um, I dig it. All I mean, those little, those me, little actions, me, they add up. Yeah. That's plenty for today. You know? Yeah, that's that is plenty. plenty. That's for the good. rest, for the rest of the day, that's, that's plenty for me. That's enough for me. Like I feel, I feel good just saying that. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yeah. Celebrate all those little karma points because the mental seeds, they get watered when you reflect on them. Yeah, and even just sitting here talking to you, like you know, there's no, there's no money involved. There's, there's like, um, I'm not looking for to get anything back in return. I just hope that like there's someone somewhere listening to this this conversation and uh, feeling like they're just sitting here talking to us too. 
Beautiful words. Uh, I feel the exact same way. That's what this is all about. If if one person gets touched and affected positively by the podcast episode, well, then it's it's worth it. It's done its job. I think now is the Absolutely. perfect time to roll on into the final section of the interview. So we, I, I end all these interviews with what I call the prana round. I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions and you answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. All right. Yeah. Ready. All right. Okay. In one word, why do you practice yoga? Oh gosh. Um, I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite yoga pose and why? Shavasana because, man, it's juicy. It feels so good. It does feel so good. What's the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Breathe. Breathe. It's the classic and it still works. It works every time. Recommend one book for our audience. It can be modern or ancient. Just give me one book recommendation that you think will serve the Dharma Talk listeners. Living Clean. Who's the author of Living Clean? I have to go get the book. I'm looking at it right now. Hold on. I'll leave it up to you. I might have the answer for you. You're going to look it up? I think it's anonymous, buddy. Yeah. Oh, it's it's anonymous. There we go. Okay. Living clean, the journey continues. That's the one. You're damn right. Okay. Yeah. By unknown, anonymous. All right. Next question. Is yoga for everyone? Yeah. Yes. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your Dharma? Um, you can reach out to me through email or comment on like my most recent Instagram post. I won't really read the direct messages. Sometimes there's some full, there's a lot of stuff in there and some of it's disturbing, but yeah, to support <laughs> yeah. me, uh, in, engage with uh, anything you hear me say that touches you and, and uh, let me know. I appreciate that. Right on. Jacob, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and sharing your Dharma with Dharma Talk, the, the whole growing community on here. Um, you're, doing, you're doing good work, one shopping cart at a time, and I celebrate that with you. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, thank you for, thanks for taking the time and, um, you know, we'll, we'll catch up in California. Good stuff, dude. I love it. Dharma talkers. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And if you did, please share it, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram and tag me at Henry wins. I love hearing from you about the conversations that make an impact for you. We have the ability to shape the world through our thoughts, words, and conversation. So let's influence the collective consciousness together. All my gratitude to Rory Wagstaff of Ease of Mind Productions for keeping our audio crisp and operations smooth. 
and to Patrick Kiebzak of Momentology Music and Art for supplying the powerful soundtrack to these conversations. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and tune in to new episodes of Dharma Talk every Thursday. I'll speak to you next week, and until then, keep living your Dharma. <laughs>